2: Falcoholic Podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live, now available in audio-only format. Before we get to the show, just want to remind you that you can catch the Falcoholic Live live on YouTube at 8, 10 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday nights. And if you're interested, we also have a post-game show that goes live right after the games on Sunday or whatever date happens to be played. So we hope you enjoy this episode, and we hope to see you on YouTube if you're available. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Falcoholic Lives Emergency Show Edition. Uh, We are going to be breaking down the... I guess maybe surprising in that the news dropped late last night, but not really surprising in that we kind of knew that it was coming. News that the Falcons have moved on from Dan Quinn. And then the probably somewhat surprising news that the Falcons also elected to move on from general manager Thomas Dimitrov midseason. This was obviously a a hot button topic on the show. Uh, (laughs) We've been talking about it for weeks. We've talked about it maybe for over a year at this point. Um, I believe it was almost a year ago at this point that the Falcons lost that game to the Texans where they gave up over 50 points. That was for me the day that I knew that this, you know, we had to change things and here we are a year later and it has finally (laughs) happened. Uh, I, you know, don't feel great about that obviously, but, uh, yeah, it is what it is, uh, so this is obviously big news for the Falcons going forward and for the rest of the season. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Raheem Morris being named the interim head coach, and we're going to get to some of your questions as well. But to kick things off, first want to welcome in my guest uh, joining us, first of all, you guys m- recognize him in his sultry voice from the uh, <laughs> Falcoholic podcast, it's David culture. Sultry, yes. Uh, dulcet tones you know yeah <laughs> david walker dw at falcoholic dw on twitter uh, how are you doing today
0: i'm just mad dirt cutter's still around
2: yeah oh we'll get to that too you know it's not about what we lost it's about what we still what's been left behind and we still have dirt cutter unfortunately so <laughs> also with us eric robinson at underscore eric underscore robinson eric how are you doing today
1: i'm doing pretty good uh, i just got back from uh, helping dan quinn pack, pack his boxes oh wow
2: okay yeah <laughs>
1: So we decided to take a little break mid-afternoon. Yeah, so
2: yeah. You needed your help to move a couch, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we needed some help. So we just kind of tuck it in the truck, and I told him you can't. You know, you got to get going, man. You got to get out of here.
2: So. Yep, yep. All right. So obviously, a lot of takes. Uh, those of us that were on the post-game show. <laughs> got the news that Dan Quinn was leaving so I've had a little bit of chance to talk about it before it was official. So I'll, I'll let uh, you guys take the first crack at it here. Eric, let, let's start with Dan Quinn because this was the most ex- expected one and we'll, we'll kind of kick it off with that. You know, I think you were basically on board with this basically from last year, but what are your thoughts on the decision to move on from Quinn now at uh, at 0-5 here in 2020? Well, first, and,
1: first and foremost, yeah, it's, it's about a year too late. Um, it should have happened last year, but Arthur Blank is so forgiving, um, and I don't think Arthur Blank has one enemy in life. He, for some reason, he just doesn't like to upset people. But um, yes, yeah, it's, it's about a year too late. Um, but it happened. It needed to happen for the very few that are out there that believes Dan Quinn should have stayed on board. I happen to like the on Sundays, but it, the team needed to make this move. Yeah, um, and. I'm, I'm a little proud of Arthur Blank because he did it in season, and, and you know, all of us amongst the propaholics, we thought he was either going to be a play week firing or an uh, off season firing. And but I think all of us collectively said, "You need to do it now. Just right. do it and get it over there." And and he did. Um, he didn't even allow you know Dan Quinn to leave the facility and drive back home to his family. He just told him, "Hey, get the hell out of here." So I mean. <laughs> yeah. it's just, it's fine with me, but it needed to happen.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was past due, honestly. And we know Blank is a very patient owner. Um, and that, yeah. yeah, he is. Uh, sometimes, and apparently to a fault with this coaching staff. Um, but it was past time. Uh, and, you know it's good that it has been taken care of dw i'm sure i think you just recorded a show on this yourself uh mm-hmm. but what, what are your thoughts uh we'll start with the dan quinn obviously here uh you know on on the decision to, to move on at this point in the season
0: uh i was a little bit surprised uh, we had talked in our chat that i felt like the bye week was the soonest that they would make a move uh mm-hmm. if for no other reason the the game week logistics you know the head coach is responsible for preparing the team for the next game getting them ready for that opponent uh, the logistics of you know the the travel in which case they're going up to Minnesota to play the Vikings so there were reasons from just you know doing mid-season moves like this are usually very difficult that's why bye week is usually a good time for that cuz you can prepare the next guy give him time mm. to get used to his role and, and you know at this point though 0 5 no team in NFL history has started 0 and 5 and made the playoffs right. so the season is over Uh, unless the Falcons win 11 straight. And I don't think any of us would place a $5 bet on them winning 11 straight at this point, no matter what the Vegas odds are. (laughs) Um, So it, it makes sense. And I think honestly, if you want to do an evaluation of the roster, it's impossible to do that when you have the same guy coaching these players that sort of drove them into the ground and right now i think there are serious concerns about some of the players that we thought were going to be you know longtime stalwarts in this uh on this roster like Deion jones he's had a terrible season Mm uh honestly you know i think you could say foyer has outplayed him yeah uh, Mm -hmm. you know when he's been in the game um you look at the corners uh obviously everyone thinks about isaiah oliver but sheffield was getting you know burned alive as well in that game Mm -hmm uh ricardo allen keanu neal have not been themselves even when they have been playing so top to bottom you can't really do a thorough sort of investigation of where the roster is at if you have the same guy coaching them that led them to 0 and five so at least now you've you you have uh shaken it up uh and you can start to critically look at these guys in the last 11 games and figure out you know who who is going to, you know, turn it back on? Who is not? And you know, you're going to give the next GM, the next head coach, a little bit of a head start for the job that they're going to have to
2: do. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that take for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, Blank is generally, like we said a minute ago, like Blank is generally been a patient owner. With the buy being so late this year, you know, that kind of made it more difficult. I feel like if they had like a week seven or a week eight buy, Blank probably just would have waited until then. Just. Be- because uh but with a late buy like they have i think it's like week 12 or something like that um they could be 0-12 at that point (laughs) the fan base would probably be like outside flowery branch you know protest style with pitchforks uh demanding you know to, to release the monster or whatever like frankenstein style so um i don't think he actually wants that sort of pr so they the the move was a good one um and it's you know it's 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 always difficult to move on from a head coach that is so well-liked by the players. And, you know, the media, for example, like, I mean, I never interviewed Dan Quinn one-on-one, but I know Gina Thomas, uh, another contributor here at The Falcoholic, uh, she had many opportunities to do so and was always just really impressed with Dan Quinn as a person. Um, And he always treated, you know, her and, and the media right. And there's a lot of stories, you know, on Twitter about that. Uh, the players still go to bat for him, you know. I know someone in the chat brought up, you know, Keanu Neal's tweet last night, and what what does that mean? And we don't know. Like it's it's an extremely vague tweet, uh, you know. But he's he's upset. And on the Keanu note, you know, keep in mind that Neal knew Dan Quinn before he was even drafted here. Like right. he knew him from his days at Florida. Those two have a long relationship. You know, it's possible that Neal and Quinn maybe have one of the strongest relationships of any players on the team. So it's not surprising that Neil was upset. Um, But on the other hand, it doesn't matter how nice you are and how good of a person you are and how nice you are to the media um, if you're 0-5 and you coming off two straight losing seasons that that's the NFL for you. It's a, it's a harsh business and that's, you got to win games. You got to produce or you're out the door. And it's not just players, it's coaches too. Uh, but you're right on that, on that note about the players as well. Like Deion Jones has been super disappointing and he's making all that money. You know, that, that makes him a potential casualty. We've already briefly touched on the possibility of a quarterback coming in. If the Falcons have a top five pick and all these things, um, so there's a, this this is basically an open book now. Like, we don't know what to expect from this team going forward. We know Arthur Blank's been very supportive of his stars in the past, but is this a catalyst for Arthur Blank possibly taking a step or two back and, you know, letting this new regime basically control things and make the, the decisions they need to make? I don't know. It could be. Um, but, I mean, this is a major change. And the other major change, perhaps the even more major one, is that General Manager Thomas Dimitrov is now gone. He's been with the team since 2008. So that is a very much a, a huge changing of the guard there. Um, did they announce who was going to replace him this year? I think it was Rutzen Webster.
1: Uh, well, McKay. Mac- and- late- and- taking over pretty much everything, you know, personnel as of now. Yeah. And he really, he's bringing in Webster as kind of sort of like a assistant.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. At this point. So... Mm-hmm.
1: Who, who knows?
2: Right. right. Yeah, and that's just a temporary thing, and there's not much... I mean, there's not much you can do about it in season, but... No, um,
1: so, because Russ and Webster does not have a good
2: track record. <laughs> no, I don't think that's their hire for GM. No. <laughs> Fans either. would not tolerate Rich McKay and Rustin Webster as, <laughs> as their yeah, GM. I wouldn't do that I don't think any head coaches would want that either. But, um, yeah, uh, so... DW, I'll let you take the first crack at, at Dimitrov. This is the more surprising of the two firings, particularly mid-season. Uh, what are your thoughts on the decision to move on from him uh, after five weeks?
0: Um, <laughs> I find it funny <laughs> that in all the talk of uh, Dan Quinn, you know, everyone has this caveat. They're like, "Oh, he's a great man. He's you know one of the nicest people you'll meet. P- people love him." And then when people talk about Dimitrov, there's like crickets. <laughs> oh, Dimitrov. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. He got fired. Um, and let, let, me just say this. Um, we've heard lots of stories about Dimitrov. Uh, we know some of them to be 100% true that, uh, we can't share here. We can't share publicly, but, um, needless to say, I I'm not going to miss the guy. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. Undoubtedly he was the most successful GM in the Falcons franchise history. Mm-hmm. Um, he drafted arguably two potential Hall of Fame players in Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. And anytime you draft a franchise quarterback, um, you have already done what half the teams in the league just seemingly can't do on a consistent basis. Right. And you will get a lot of grace and you'll get a lot of forgiveness for other misses if you get it right with the QB. And I think that is what happened. And, and certainly during the Smithy years, he got Ryan right. He got Julio right, and he got a lot wrong. Mm -hmm. The irony is, under Dan Quinn, I think his draft classes have actually been substantially better. I think he's grabbed uh, better talent across that time frame. I don't know that it still makes him a great GM, but I think he's a a, a good GM uh, for what he has done. But unfortunately, I think uh, they became a package deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I, I did not see a scenario where Quinn was going to be let go and Dimitrov would be able to stay for his third head coach. That's, that never happens. Yeah, It's actually somewhat rare for a GM to survive uh, to a second head coach, yeah. Yeah. but I, I just didn't see it happening to a third one. And, you know, that's uh, ultimately, I think uh, we talked about this on the podcast with uh, Dave Choate, the editor, the Falcoholic, uh, and he brought up a fantastic point. I think the, the big condemnation for Dimitrov is in his 12 years he never adequately fixed both of the lines, the offensive mm-hmm. line, which maybe now is finally starting to come together after 12 years. Yeah. Uh, but more importantly, the defensive line. Mm-hmm. You know, Right now we have literally one player that's worth his salt in Grady Jarrett. Uh, and after a ton of free agents and draft picks, we are still begging for some sort of pass rush on this team. And I think that is ultimately what will condemn him. And I think that's what they're going to look for in the next mm-hmm. GM, someone who can finally fix the trenches.
2: Yeah. That, that, to me, was the biggest weakness of his... Of his and free agent busts. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was not great as a free agency GM. That was probably his weakest point overall. But he also was very bad at finding pass rushers. He just simply couldn't do it. Um, and... I like You give someone credit for finding a great player in the fifth round, but you also temper that with the knowledge that if he knew that Grady Jarrett was Grady Jarrett, he would not have waited to take him until the fifth round, okay? So, like, everyone was, oh, you found this this draft steal. If you'd known how good he was, he wouldn't have been taken at that spot. You would have taken him in, like, the fourth or the third, you know? So uh, let's just calm down there with that. But it was a good pick, uh, to be fair. And, yeah, just... Edge rushers—it's a barren wasteland for TD. He can't even sign him. Like he, he just doesn't know what a good edge rusher is. You know, we mm-hmm. might have another disastrous signing here with Dante Fowler, who has just been awful. Um, and early on, it was injury. He was not on the injury report this week, so there's no excuse for that performance against. Uh, I don't even remember who they played. <laughs> the Panthers. Such a such a forgettable game. Like I don't even remember it really? was. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> it it. It was time. It was past time for Dimitrov. And DW basically summed it up. Like, no tears are being shed about Dimitrov's firing by the the players or media. um, Because he he had a reputation that he earned uh, among the media, uh, especially among those of us at the Falcoholic. And, uh, you know, I, I think I speak for all of us when I say that we're not really sad to see him gone. Obviously, we hope that he, you know, finds professional success uh, elsewhere, and I'm sure he will get an opportunity. He, like like we say, he's an above-average GM. He'll have plenty of suitors. Uh, but just the whole culture needed to be cleaned out. So if they kept Dimitrov, it was just going to be the same. And, uh, yeah, that that's I'm basically 100% with you there. Eric, your thoughts on the, the team moving on from Dimitrov?
1: Um, I didn't believe it was a surprise at all. DW pointed out. You know, we actually asked this question last week. You know, has, has anyone ever seen a GM, you know, take on three different head coaches in, you know, in succession? And and I you knew no one brought it up. No one said that you know they've ever seen anything like that before. So I couldn't. The odds of him staying, you know, was pretty pretty minimal to me. Um, and I have to be honest with you. You know, as long as he's been there. Which is what twelve seasons. Um, he's pretty much living off of Matt and Hoover. Yeah, if we're if we're, on, if we're being honest, he's really living off that um, because there's no there's no in between really with him. Either he hit on some picks, or he whiffed badly to the point where the bat flew out of his hands. And <laughs> yeah, was. I mean, it's just. You know, from, um, you know, going back, even Sam Baker, um, yeah. guys like that, Desmond Southward, Lamar Holmes, um, you know, Pariah Jerry. You know, it's just, it's, it was bad. Um, and I don't think he honestly deserved some of the credit that he actually received because it took a rookie head coach to come in for his draft classes to get better. That shouldn't be the case. It, it, why? Why did you get better at drafting because of a rookie head coach coming in, and you know he pretty pretty much boosted your your perception um, from from others, you know, outside of the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just I felt like in in he needed to go as well. Um, yeah, and and you. I, honestly, for over a decade, like, they they really haven't had a uh, reliable defensive line. Yeah. And that, that is a real problem. I mean, I know teams can go maybe three, four years to get a defensive line together, get the guys develop until we actually start to see something. But my God, like, it's yeah. literally been his entire tenure here that they have not had a reliable pass rush. Right. And that is unheard of. Um, so... Him departing uh, was another move that needed to happen. I didn't care when. He just needed to go.
2: Yeah. The yeah. Uh, the timing, you know, maybe a little bit surprising. But, yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it on, I think, last week's Falconhawk Live too, which was the fact that the Falcons weren't going to be able to lure in a quality coaching candidate with Dimitrov as a lame duck, potentially GM, hanging over that guy. Like, right. it, it just wouldn't. It just wouldn't have made any sense. Um, I certainly wouldn't have wanted to come in knowing that the GM could be fired, you know, either mid-season or the next year, and then I'll have to deal with another GM that may or may not want me around. Like, it just—the mechanics of it from that angle didn't make sense. And just that—I don't think—and if you remember last year, like, the the rumors were actually that Dimitrov was closer to being fired than Dan Quinn, and it was actually Dan Quinn that stepped in and kept blank from firing (laughs) Dimitrov. Because uh, he, you know, wanted to continue working with them. So that was always interesting to me. Um, yeah. But he didn't have the rope, I think, that Dan Quinn did. The leeway because of his abrasive personality. So um, it's just interesting that I think the the dichotomy of, like, Dan Quinn, great person that people like, but pretty mediocre to bad football coach. And, you know, the, the owner wanted to keep him as long as possible. Whereas Dimitrov was like above-average GM, actually, like, in what he's asked to do, but personality-wise, very abrasive, and people just dislike him. So he's actually... And it's it's just funny how that difference has played out. He
1: play above-average. He's above-average. Above. No, I, I'm not giving him that credit, guys. Okay, so, that's fine. <laughs> I, I, agree, I, agree, I think I'm, he's above-average, at least. I just, think, I just think, I think his whiffs...
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com.
1: were bad enough that it actually sent the team back for a while in certain spots. And it, it, you know, it was like, like we just pointed out, why do you need 12 seasons to put a pass rush together? Yep. Like that's you, you, how can you get around that? You were supposed right. to be the, the talent evaluator and you have a decade plus of the same results on the defensive side of the ball. How many times have the Falcons had during Dimitrov's tenure, whether he was with Smith or Quinn, how many times have they've had some of the worst defenses in the league.
2: I mean, all the, the common time.
1: denominator and all that. The common denominator is Thomas Dimitrov. He's been here for twelve years, yeah, so I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't think he was. Like I said, he hit on Julio, great. He nailed Matt Ryan, awesome. But I honestly think he skated by with that. Yeah. I mean, Beasley was bad. Tack is looking bad. Dante Fowler is looking bad.
2: <laughs> Dante Fowler, my God. Yeah, that he probably got fired just for that. Like, <laughs> you pay 16 million of my money to a premier quote unquote pass rusher. That
1: was bad. Well, that was really bad. Yeah. He, he's, he's really hurt the team, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like he was living off the pass.
2: He was, certainly. Yeah. All right. Well, the other question, the other the other thing before, well, we'll talk about where they go from here in terms of some candidates that you guys like for both guys. But um, Raheem Morris is the interim head coach. DW, is that surprising to you? Do you like the decision? Did you have someone else in mind? I mean, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Uh, it makes sense. You know, he's been a head coach before. Uh, they have someone else that can step in in Jeff Ulbricht to take over the defensive play calling, which he was doing already. Raheem was only calling up, apparently third down plays, which. Honestly, a two-headed monster in a coordinator <laughs> position is just, like, I'd, I've never understood that yeah, anyway. it's like
2: rotating on the offensive line, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, know, it's, uh, you can suck uh, half the time or you can suck all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, it honestly, it, it's one of those moves that it, it's not going to make a difference. Raheem is not going to suddenly turn this into an 11-win team. Uh, the, the issues with this team are in the roster. It's in the culture it's in the entire coaching staff. I don't expect that, you know, if they win more than four games, I'll be shocked. Um, that said, I do like Raheem. I I think that this will serve as an audition for him, for other teams. Mm -hmm. Um, honestly, I would have preferred that dirt cutter take over if only for the reason that it would take him away from play calling at least. (laughs) Um,
2: you assume. (laughs) assume. I mean, yeah. Oh my God. Maybe it
0: gets even worse. Yeah. Uh, you know running on every single down uh, god forbid mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I think raheem makes sense especially with his past experience uh and at this point they, they could have put you know a 15 year old uh high schooler in charge and and it would have been an improvement of what dan quinn was doing
2: <laughs> yeah i mean I, I think the at least the the high like if we could just plug in ask madden i think we might have had an improvement uh over over what was being called on a play on a down to down basis here, but um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Morris was the obvious choice. I think basically, I, I mean, I think he was the odds-on favorite. There was some buzz about Jeff Olbrick because apparently the COVID guidelines suggested that maybe he would have been the temporary head coach if Quinn was you know un, uh, had been put on the COVID list. But uh, Morris definitely has more experience. You know, he was a head coach I think for three seasons with the Bucks. So. Um, He's used to it. He's been in that role before. On such short notice, it makes sense to kind of hand the team over to someone who's been in that role before. Um, but yeah, I agree with what D.W. said. This is not going to produce meaningful change. I mean, sometimes like the head coaching change can spark, can like inspire the team and spark it, spark things up a little bit. But to me, that's like winning like five of the next. 11 games or something like that. Like instead of going, you know, 3 and 13, maybe we get to 5 and 11 or something. But um... because
1: um, the clippings, the press clippings that we've seen recently, apparently there's been somewhat of a mixed bag since 2017 as far as player support for Dan Quinn. So, you know, now you kind of wonder, like, okay, Keanu's coming out publicly saying these things. Ryan Ryan's publicly saying these things. Caleb McGarry's is publicly saying these things. Saying these things, but you know, the past three years, how many players really backed him? Now I'm starting to question that because you know, it, it may just be a few of the top guys at the top of the roster. But pretty much, uh, a large portion of the roster is like, okay, whatever, whatever, they need to move on. I just, I get the players supporting him. I completely understand it. It's natural. A lot of players want to do that. I mean, drafted pretty much most of the team, right? Right. But what do you expect? You guys started one and seven last year and zero and five this year. Like, what do you you think that the support from the fans is still supposed to be at an all time high? It's still supposed to be hundred percent? You guys are winless.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, I think these guys are forgetting the fact that this is a business at the end of the day. There's no, you, you can't sit here and make friends. Making friends doesn't win Super Bowls. No,
2: no, it's nice. You know, if you can make friends and win Super Bowls. But like, yeah, you can't expect. Like, I don't know exactly what Neil's. Trying to say with that tweet, but I mean, I mean fans
1: most. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's like, but that's like most fans don't know, like, and that's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't think anyone is. Claim, I mean, maybe fan, maybe just fans go out and think they know everything about the NFL. I mean, I like to think we as analysts know a little bit more. You know, we've had the ability to talk with former player like Keenan Forney on here, and he could give us his insight into what's going on. So I feel like we're pretty informed as to what goes on in these sorts of situations, and um. You know, it's just, like, you can think whatever you want to think as a player inside the team, and maybe you think, like, oh, like, you know, everything's fine, you know, we shouldn't have fired Dan Quinn, but, like, you're own 5 like, you can't, everything's not fine, it doesn't matter what way you slice it, so, I mean, I guess maybe he's arguing, like, that the, the players suck and they're the reason that, that they're losing, um, which seems a little self-defeating to me. Uh, I probably wouldn't take that tech if I were him, considering he's in a contract year, but, you know.
1: If they went not 0-16, what did Keanu want to do? Just run it back next year?
2: Run it back, right. baby. <laughs> Look, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me three or more times, shame on Come me. On. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You guys are not playing well. Hell, if you guys are upset that he's fired, why don't you play better?
2: right like that's the other part of it right like if if you didn't want him to get fired maybe when maybe win a game if you would won one game i guarantee he would have lasted till the bye one win would have gotten him through to the bye week so yep but zero wins uh and going back to like the 90s for the last time you were this bad that you know has a way. 97 yeah that has a way of ch- helping changes happen very very quickly um all right. Well, I, I know Eric and I have given our thoughts on this, but I, we haven't heard from you too much, DW. Since I mean, you probably talked about it on your own pod. But um, in terms of head coaches, who are some guys that you really like at this point?
0: Oh well, I mean, everyone's talked about Eric Bieniemy. I think he's got to be one of the front runners. Uh, the question for him is, you know, looking at the other vacancies that are going to be there. Obviously, Houston uh, has their quarterback situation settled with Deshaun Watson. A lot of people are pointing to that, but they're missing. You know, first and second round pick, uh, which would make it hard to begin a rebuild process there. Yeah. Uh, I think you come to Atlanta, you know, it's you've got a little bit more stability on the offensive line. You can ride out uh, a former MVP QB for, you know, a couple of years if you want to draft a QB and just sit them on the bench to learn. Uh, so I think there's good reasons to think he may be interested in Atlanta. Um, I, I think, you know, another name is uh, uh, what's his say ball, the coordinator for the Bills. Brian Sable
2: yeah yeah
0: yeah so you know he, he's someone that um he's in his mid 40s uh so you know he's got the really creative offense up there in in buffalo so he's a name i would pay attention to as well i've heard some people mention joe brady uh who is the i believe the offense coordinator for the panthers i'm not sure that i buy into that but he's really young i think he's uh in his early 30s 31 32. the,
2: the wonderkid yes
0: <laughs> yeah um, so those those are the names I think, I, and honestly, I, I think it will it it's it's got to be a uh, offensive minded coach at this point. We've done now two straight coaches that are defensive minded and continually feel feel you know bottom of the league defenses. Oh yeah, I think they need to focus on getting a good defensive coordinator. I know people in the chat were talking about Wade Phillips. I would love to see them bring in someone like him, but um, honestly, I think go for a a, a really creative relatively young uh, offensive mind. I think that's where this franchise needs to go uh, right now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I totally agree with those names. Uh, Like BNME is the top one for me as well. Arthur Smith, the Texan or the Titans offense coordinator. I like his game planning a lot. I think he's a, another candidate that could be out there if they were to miss on someone like a BNME. Brian Dable is going to be a hot name. Um, I know uh, Corey has been very on the, the Josh McDaniels train Given, given blanks, you know, ties to the Patriots uh, and that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, I, that's not my first choice, but I'm just putting it out there as a name. Um, and it, there is precedent for someone failing, going back, and then getting a second chance and doing well. Like, it has happened. So I know McDaniels was not great in his original opportunity. Uh, so trust me, I, I know. But
1: <laughs> I, I think with the, with the, the way the, the roster is structured right now, um, I mean, they still, they got a lot of money tied in to some veterans. Um, mm-hmm. So anyone that's thinking that it's going to be an automatic strip down and rebuild next, this off season, financially, they can't do it. It's, yep. impossible. it's going to kill the team if they get rid of a lot, a lot of these veteran Um So that's why I feel that even though the enemy's at the top of the list, I think veteran head coaches, guys who's been the head coach before. I think, they are real possibilities, mm. and I know fans may not want to hear that, they may just want to get you know a guy like the enemy in here or a creative young office of mine that's going to take the keys. But this is a roster that, if, if if it's handled properly, it can win now, they can be yep. a playoff contender in 2021 if the right guy comes in and make the necessary changes. So, like I said, I, I feel like. For, for the listeners that are out there, do not look away from former head coaches. Keep your eye on those two. I think I think that is a definite consideration.
2: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, okay, and then we're just gonna wrap up with some GM talk. I don't. GM candidates are definitely more like hard to know. Um, do you have any any names in mind at this point, DW? Or are you still doing the research?
0: Uh, I think the one that's been mentioned with the enemy is uh, Lewis Reddick. I believe mm-hmm. and uh he does have you know a connection as a player he used to play with the, the falcons uh back in the 90s so mm-hmm. there is a little bit of a link there um so it that's the only guy i've heard and honestly i think like you said gms are a little bit harder to uh nail down mm-hmm. uh, i'm gonna leave that up to to the team to figure out but uh i, I would be talking out my backside if i tried to come up with some mm-hmm. some names i think it'd be a good choice there
2: Right, right. Like, I've heard, you know, like, Nick Casario from the Patriots is a hot name. Um, trying uh, Another one that people haven't really talked about, uh, Scott Pioli, I don't believe, is a GM right now. He was here in Atlanta. Um, you know, really? I don't... What's that? Really? Really? Pioli? Well, I'm just saying he's a GM candidate. Like, I think Blank <laughs> did like Pioli, and Pioli decided to step away, but um, I don't think it was a coincidence that... The uh, drafting seemed to be best during the years where Pioli and Dimitrov were working together. Um, but, you know, I'm just saying that that's a name. He has a connection clearly here. He was here as like an assistant GM. Um, that could, And he has KC connections as well with enemy potentially. So um, just saying don't count that name out in this search. That's all. Uh, did you have any other ones, Eric, that you were thinking of?
1: Um, yeah Riddick was was definitely one that came off with you know the top of my head and, and he has front office experience with uh, the Redskins and the Eagles um, with those two teams I think he was uh, director of player personnel with both of those teams for a few years um, so he's not stepping into this blind and I mentioned it before on our show but you know I attended the scouting Academy a few weeks, a few years back mm-hmm. and one of the lead instructors for the Scout academy and that guy knows his football he does
2: yeah he's very knowledgeable Mm -hmm. he's
1: very knowledgeable about the sport so it's not just the name um that we're throwing out there this guy is a football witness yeah i I mentioned yesterday uh daniel jeremiah um another guy that has front office experience daniel jeremiah was in the front office in in baltimore with the ravens for a handful of years so he learned under Ozzie, Ozzie Newsom. Right, right. Um, So he picked up a little bit about the game. He's also another guy that is just pretty, like, when it comes to scouting players and mm-hmm. things like that, I think, this guy knows his game, man. Just, just listening to the conversation. So those are two names yeah. that I put out there. They may not be actual, like, realistic options, but I feel, you know, those guys could be ready if they were called in. yeah. <laughs> there's a, a couple other guys that you that you got uh, to mention. Believe, I can't think of the guys. I'm talking like right assistant exec in Kansas City right now. Um, slipping my mind. But uh, there's there's a couple other names that are out there that are pretty much not actual GMs. They're more uh, the player personnel type, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, assistant GMs maybe. Um, so keep. Just keep an eye out. Keep your eyes closed on something like that because that type of hire is probably going to dictate the type of philosophy the team is going to
2: be
1: for the the, the coming future. So keep an eye on that. And I, I think that may be the first hire before a head coach, if anything.
2: Yes.
0: It could
1: be.
2: Yeah, it definitely could be. It depends on the, the tack they want to take. You know, some teams try to bring the two in as like a package deal where yeah. they work close together. Sometimes it's the more traditional GM, then head coach route. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, particularly if it's someone that's not actively employed by a team right now, like a Daniel Jeremiah you brought up, Scott Pioli, those types of guys, uh, Lewis Riddick, like those guys could theoretically be brought in before the end of the season. So, or um,
1: Mike Borgonz. Mike Borgonz. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm director of football
2: operations yeah yeah so those are definitely some good names to throw out there uh like we like we said guys obviously gm candidates a little bit more of a, like a niche you know topic uh, when, when you're getting on on football talk but uh you know th- those are some names to keep keep track of um all right. Well, before we wrap up here, guys, I do want to remind you, uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in for this show. Uh, it's a little bit somber, but to me personally, it feels like kind of a weight's been lifted. So, uh, I feel good in that way, but it's always kind of a somber experience when you end an era of a team and this was the most successful era in Falcons history. So, um, mm-hmm. even though it ended poorly, you know, I'm thankful for the great years that we did have. I'm thankful for 2016 up until the very end, which we never talk about. So, um, If you don't mind uh, throwing a like to the video, Uh, that helps other folks on YouTube find the video. And uh, if you're not already subscribed, hit that subscribe button. You'll get notifications for us. We will be back on Wednesday nights. That's our usual show. We also do a post-game show after the games. But we are not done quite yet. Before we get out of here, I want to thank my guest, uh, David Walker, also known as DW. He's at Falcoholic DW, the host of the Falcoholic podcast. Uh, DW, any, any closing remarks? Anything else you want to plug?
0: yeah just uh tune in you can find the falcoholic podcast on itunes google uh stitcher spotify all the standard platforms and uh we are certainly going to have tons of content talking about not you know we still have to cover this freaking season obviously (laughs) Falcoholic. uh so we will be talking about the games but we'll also be talking a lot about potential candidates uh like you said for head coach gm so Uh, This will be a very interesting time for Falcons fans and for us at the site. We're going to have a ton of stuff to write and talk about.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be a busy time, and then it's going to be draft season. Uh, So I'm getting warmed up there. But uh, I'm sure Eric is as well. Eric Robinson joining us today at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Eric, anything you want to close on? Anything you want to plug?
1: Yeah, you know, just piggybacking off of – what DW pointed out, you know, just visit the Falcoholic site. You know, as soon as the, the news came down last night, we were kicking ideas left and right in the group chat, so we were ready um, to, you know, put some things together for you guys, so be on the lookout, take a look at the site, um, like you've mentioned also, you know, subscribe here um, as well, um, and just, you know, just just keep us locked in, man, because we're going to, we're going to, we're putting a lot of stuff together, we're, we're, we're going to do this, because I think the fans care more about this than actual wins and losses. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's where we are. So, it's January tank tank time.
1: Losses. Yeah. So we're 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 going to be ready. So check it out.
2: Yeah, absolutely, um, guys. I am Kevin Knight, at F-Alcoholic Kevin on Twitter. Uh, like I said, you know all the stuff. Follow it, subscribe. Uh, this the uh, show also has a Twitter account. It's at F-Alcoholic Live. Um I'm gonna have stuff coming out all week uh, about. Head coaching candidates, GM candidates, uh draft picks are gonna start up soon because this team, you know, they this every year they push me closer and closer. You know, draft season, you know, now it's October. It's not even like halfway through October. We already had to start doing mock drafts. So uh I shall oblige, you know. Yep.
1: Yeah. Do not tell me it's too early for a mock draft. It's
2: never too early, but you know.
1: <laughs> They're winless. They're <laughs> winless sure. Yeah. All right? Yeah, so let me it's talk time. About this time or losing to the next team okay right
2: yeah talk about you know all the different permutations I, I can't phrase you know i'm running out of adjectives for like the way they lose games it's like oh you know this is a disappointing loss it's a crushing loss you know it's a, a disastrous meltdown. loss you know meltdown yeah i'm starting to run low i'm at the whip i'm at to whip out the, the thesaurus here pretty soon to keep to get me through the rest of the season but um thank you guys for tuning in Uh, We all appreciate you. Uh, Like I said, Wednesday night we will have our our normal show at 8, 10 p.m. Eastern. Um, We'll be breaking this down in a little more detail, maybe with some more details from the team about what to expect going forward. Uh, Until then, guys, we appreciate you. Uh, We will see you around on the Twitters. Uh, Enjoy the rest of this uh, lovely Monday. I don't know. It's kind of cloudy here. Depending on where you are, it might be lovely. But uh, enjoy it. Uh, We will see you on Wednesday.